Um, some weeks ago when I was teaching at Omega, I uh, found out that one of my friends from college was there. And she came up to me after a few rounds of meditation in the morning. And she is a dance therapist. And she really was exploring meditation for the first time. And initially, her first comment to me was, you know, I don't think this could possibly be for me. I mean, I'm, she's very passionate. You know, she, I need to express myself. She's Italian and she moves around a lot. She says, I can't imagine that I could just, you know, find, you know, a sense of spirituality in sitting still. It seems so anti-life. That was her words. So I said, well, <laughs> you're here, so, you know, you paid your money, just... <laughs> So she, she stayed, and, um, and it was hard for her to sit still. But her report at the end, and this is something I think you'll understand, she said, in sitting still, she had never felt such an intense sense of aliveness in her life. Never felt so alive. And so what I'd like to ask you to do for a moment is just close your eyes because it helps sometimes to do so. And become at home in this moment. Drop right in again. Settle into this moment and realize aliveness. Simply realize aliveness. Now I hope you'll keep on realizing aliveness, don't just stop. (laughs) Let me ask you, what lets you know that aliveness is there? What lets you feel alive? Anyone? There's no wrong answer. Yeah. Sensations in your body. Good. What else? body pulsing, internal movements, thoughts. You never thought of fear as... Ah, so fear was experienced and you had never thought of fear as aliveness, but that was an expression of it. Thank you. Anything anyone else noticed? Breath. That the breath is part of what you noticed in this aliveness. Yeah. What was the experience of spaciousness, if you could describe it in sense terms? Well-being. So there was a mood of well-being that was part of aliveness. sounds. Now, there are infinite answers because there's, they usually all will fall into the realms of some bodily sensation, something you smelled, something you saw, something you heard, some emotion that moved through. But they all are felt through the body in some way, through the body senses. Now, the Buddha, in training awareness describe this as the foundations of mindfulness that we're realizing our aliveness by learning to pay attention to the foundations of mindfulness to these bodily sensations to these sounds, these feelings the sights, the smells and that our 
practice of waking up is one of learning how to be attentive enough to know what's happening, to know we're alive. And this friend of mine, as she described it, feels very alive dancing, but also somewhat habituated dancing. And there was something about sitting still that she couldn't use any of her normal ways of leaving her experience. Do you understand? She was stuck just sitting there. Now here's what the Buddha said about this first foundation, this foundation of sensations. There's one thing that when cultivated and regularly practiced leads to deep spiritual intention, to peace, to mindfulness, and clear comprehension, to vision and knowledge, to a happy life here and now, and to the culmination of wisdom and awakening. And what is that one thing? It is mindfulness centered on the body. It's like, sounds good, I'll buy one of those, right? (laughs) So many good qualities. Last week I spoke some of beginner's mind. For those of you that weren't here, the mind of the beginner is empty, free of the habits of experts, open to possibility, not narrowed by preconceptions. In the mind of the expert, possibilities are few. In the, begin- in the beginner's mind, they're infinite. To be able to abide in this quality of beginner's mind, to drop all our thoughts that we know how it is, this moment to be able to do that, our pathway is back into this attentiveness, this embodied presence. For myself in practice, no matter what special technique I train in, no matter what slant I'm kind of developing in my practice, I cycle again and again back to this basic place of cultivating embodied presence. It's probably the talk that I give the most is about the first foundation of mindfulness. And it's in every talk. If I'm talking about emotional healing, how to feel the emotions in our bodies. There's no way to establish a real sense of presence if there isn't that quality of dropping out of concepts and into this vibrational, sensational, wakeful place. A friend of mine, uh, when he gives Dharma talks, he starts by saying, um, there's a way of listening. And that way is to have 80% of your attention completely in your body. Right now you can do that. Feel that you're listening and 80% of the listening is mostly an awareness of your body and 20% is words and meanings and ideas. And I'd like to invite you to experiment with mindfulness of the body by even as we explore the subject tonight, listening with an embodied attention. So go ahead and again, just re-anchor yourself. You don't have to sit up in a way that's uncomfortable. Rather, be comfortable, but be present. And periodically I'll do the sounding of the bells as a way of just reminding us to re-establish that connection with our bodies and our hearts, just to come out of any idea into what's real this moment. There's no wisdom and no healing that's possible if we're not available to the present moment, if we're not in this body. There's a a writer that says, no matter how convinced a Buddhist is that the world is an illusion, she invariably leaves a room 
by walking through a doorway rather than through a wall. (laughs) Are you present in your bodies? If you are, then I can ruffle through pages as long as I want, and (laughs) you're all meditating. There's a really powerful reason that we spend little time with an embodied awareness. I mean, you might reflect on today. I do this frequently kind of at an end of the day. And since how many moments did you drop out of the stories and into just a sense of the senses, you know, what you're seeing and smelling and feeling and tasting and just the vibrations. How many moments? And for most of us, not so much. As a culture, we mistrust the body. We're feeling much more safe and comfortable when we're in our stories planning what to do and designing how we're going to fix things and worrying about what goes wrong. The body is the thing we can't really control, so we leave it. You know, we, we can control some things, but we can't control the fact that these bodies are going to die and that they sometimes are going to experience a kind of pain we really don't want to experience. We can't control that. We can't control even, to some degree, the emotional currents that come through the anger and the fear. So our control strategy is really to get away. So we leave. We leave way more than we even need to. It becomes a habit. You know that James Joyce uh, line, Mr. Duffy lived a short distance from his body. You know, it's like that. We, We kind of are just in the habit of being one step removed. And what happens is that the body becomes an object and we try to manage our bodies so that we eat the right amount so we look a certain way or we wear the right clothes so we give the right impression or we try to fix it so it doesn't get sick or we try to manipulate our minds in those ways too. And what happens is when we objectify the body we get disconnected, we objectify the earth too. It becomes something that's kind of a resource for us at best. There was an article a few days ago in the Washington Post that described how a herbal company has brought in a shaman as a consultant, and this is the first time he left Peru. I'm sure some of you saw this. Um, Sounds like he's the, the authentic, genuine article, and he's you know, all his life been, you know, attuned to nature and to the rainforests and into the healing medicinal capacity of different plants. And so this is the first time he left his country in his body. He says he's left in his um, dream body, his subtle body, a lot. And he got here and he, his first comment was that his first impression of our country and culture was one that made him really sad. He said, there's no respect for nature. And it makes sense. If we're disconnected from our bodies, we're disconnected from the earth. And respect and love comes out of what we feel a sense of belonging to. Now, this disconnection from embodiment, as much as the Buddha taught, you know, mindfulness of the body, in the cultures that Buddhism grew up in, as with many other um, major religious traditions, there was, there's a, a disconnect often from nature and from the body and there's a fear of emotions and sexuality and of what's wild and uncontrollable, especially in the more patriarchal kind of schools. It's not so true with um, Tibetan Buddhism, but you can see it in some of the Hinayana and some of the monastic, um, very male-oriented um, streams of Buddhism. And one of my favorite um, stories is took place in the first three-month retreat, I think, that was held at the Insight Meditation Society in Barrie, Massachusetts. 
And they had, they brought in a um, Burmese meditation teacher and he, you know, gave some talks, some wonderful talks on how to refine mindfulness and attention. But he also had quite a, a strong kind of um, ethic about emotions and sexuality. In fact, at one point, a student asked, well, what do you think of sex? And his response is, sex is base, gross, and disgusting. Well, at the end of the three-month retreat, they, um, the students put on what are called the Dharma escapades, and they were different skits. And in one of them, one of the students played the question, person asked the question, the other was dressed up in the garb of this um, Sayadaw, this Burmese Sayadaw. And the student asked the question, and this time the Sayadaw responded, what do I think of sex? I think it's basic, engrossing, and worth discussing. <laughs> This sense that the body and that sexuality and that sensations are something um, to be controlled is really a misperception on the spiritual path. It's a sense that there's this hierarchy and that our journey is one of purification that comes from rising above the body rather than embracing all elements of life. Some of you know this um, from Garrison Keillor. He writes, My ancestors were Puritans from England. They arrived here in 1648 in the hope of finding greater restrictions than were permissible under English law at that time. (laughs) If you take away the cultural layering, the heart of the Buddha's teaching is to release our identification with body, our emotions, or whatever it is, but not our engagement, our experience of. It's just to say that who we are includes but is not limited to being a body. Who we are includes but it is not limited to our fears, our passions, our longings, our excitement. We're just bigger. So the idea is not to detach in the sense of disengage from this body. Rather, find this quality of presence that allows us in a very open, wakeful way to feel fully alive here and now. Joanna Macy puts it this way. She says, how can I get off the wheel? I am the wheel. The wheel of samsara, of the wheel of embodiment, We don't try to get away from it. We embrace what's here. To discover who we are, to really know who we are, means to look within and feel fully the vibrations of this life form. It means opening out of our ideas, which are a mental prison in the sense that they're limiting if we think that's all there is. Now, a little experiment. Some of you have done this, and so bring beginner's mind into it. First, just look at your hand. And as you look, see what you see, and just think about your hand. Anything that's part of your understanding or story of hand, its function, the impression it makes on you. You might think about other people's hands, too. There's about a hundred of them all looking at their hands right now. Fingers, fingernails. Hand. Just listen to the sound of the word and look at what you're looking at. And then closing your eyes and keeping your arm extended up. Okay, close your eyes. And just begin to slowly move your arm and hand Oh, eight, ten inches back and forth. And begin to experience sensations from within the sensations. Close your eyes and just experience what's true about this expression of your being. Is there a shape? You can even hold still and just feel from within. 
Is there a shape to what we call hand? A boundary? What is hand? What's the truth? What is this? Relaxing any idea. Bare attention. Relaxing your arm down and just for a moment reflect on the difference between the idea of hand and direct sensory experience. So that in your own body-mind the difference becomes clearer and clearer between conceptual reality and direct immediate experience. Let go of everything right now. Just drop ideas, thoughts. Practice re-entering fully embodied awareness. The instructions for mindfulness of sensations, the first foundation of mindfulness, are quite simple. They are to experience the breath in the breath and the body in the body. This is a direct, non-conceptual awareness of the changing flow of sensations. And take a few full breaths and please open your eyes when you're ready. Now what we find is that when we're reminded, we can drop in, and then we find we leave pretty quickly. And that's just the habit, that's our conditioning. We're all conditioned to go somewhere else. Um, even when we're doing exercise or yoga, something that's meant to be embodied, there's a tendency to have a kind of thin veil of concepts or ideas about how come we're doing it and what it's doing and if we're progressing. Any veil of conceptual reality creates a dualism. We're one step removed. We're not fully inside. And yet, as I mentioned, there's a fear about coming to rest and just being with what is. There's now a classic cartoon in the Dharma circles. Many of you have heard this, but it's so good, I have to tell you, those that don't know. And in it, there's a picture of a, a family, and there's, they're on camels in this desert. And the parents are on one of the camels, and the kids are on another, and then all their goods are on the third. And the father's saying to the kids, will you stop asking if we're almost there? We're nomads for crying out loud. <laughs> the reason I love that one is we always go, we go around looking so busy and important. Do you know what I mean? We all have these stories about what's pressing and we have these important lives as if we're really going somewhere. And we take it really seriously. And in fact, it's, it's in this culture, it's, it's, it looks better if you're busy. You know, on our way to something. And there's this real insecurity and disorientation about genuinely just hanging out. Even when we hang out, we usually have a thing we're doing together, you know? It's hard to just be there. It's rare to drop all our agendas, which is really our intent when we come to sit and meditate, to drop all our agendas, to just be committed to not leaving the moment. Now, it doesn't have to be sitting. It doesn't have to be that we're like this, we're just training. It's a way to quiet the mind because when we're still with our body, the mind gets a little quieter and then there's a chance to feel more fully that aliveness. So through the millennium, people have found sitting's a useful training posture, but it's in everything. 
this quality of being fully here in motion, fully here in stillness, just fully here. Most of you notice our Buddha tonight? Yeah. I'll tell you the story of it. Some weeks ago, Louisa and I were um, walking around and, and looking at, in a store that had these Buddhas, and um, both of us fell for this one. But I said, not a chance. I mean, it's too much, blah, blah, blah. And Louisa said, well, we could have it at class and at retreats. And so I talked myself into it by thinking I was buying it for IMCW. I mean, I get to have it at home too. But um, So we, I was excited about it because it's kind of an androgynous Buddha. If you look closely, it's got a beautiful balancing of kind of a graceful robe, but, you know, the kind of empowerment and so on. And so I was really excited about it, and I took it out of its box and, a friend, and showed the first person, actually the second person, that um, came through my house. And he looked at it, and he kind of looked like this, and then he kind of looked like this. He goes, you know what? That thing is tilted. <laughs> and I went, what? <laughs> he goes, yeah, you're Buddha. He's not, the casting was wrong. The, the Buddha's tilted. And if you look, you might notice that this Buddha is an imperfect Buddha. <laughs> and I went through my initial rush of, I'm going to call that store, I'm going to pack this thing. You know, I went through all that, and I went, wait a minute we have an imperfect Buddha. And isn't that great, you know? And then we all started joking how if everybody kind of leaned with the Buddha, we'd all be, yeah, right. <laughs> You'd be leaning to the left, which my political friend thought was really cool. <laughs> but, um, so at first I got this little pillow that I could prop it up with so it looked like it was balanced, but then I decided, eh, it's really part of this coming still that what we're connecting with is not a certain perfect thing like bliss or peace. In fact, in our stillness, we're really inviting life to come through in any weather system, with any slant, with any types of winds or rains or whatever it is. In fact, it's our statement by coming and sitting still is a kind of open-hearted yes to however it is. And it's in that, feeling it through our bodies, that we really develop a confidence and a courage that we can encounter anything. This is considered one of the great fruits of practice, that when we are willing, and it takes courage, to really feel what moves through our bodies, to not walk away from it, we discover we have that greatness of heart, that spirit that can be with. And it's a good thing to know because we all have this kind of programming that something around the corner is going to be too much. Do you know what I mean? That there's, there's something that will be overwhelming that we can't handle. So training in this mindfulness of sensations, this staying, this coming back to our bodies, is really a training and courage to embrace this life unconditionally. So let's talk a little on what this training really looks like, this training to be in these bodies. I'd like to do it both in terms of a being in our bodies in a way that heals and in a way that's really spiritually liberating. Now, what many of us find is that we start by being here and then we leave because there's something unpleasant. And there's a few sources of unpleasant sensations and it's useful to know this, to include this in mindfulness. That one source is just that there's an unaccustomed posture. We're just not used to sitting still. And so our body's saying, this is different. Maybe I don't like it also, but this is different. Now the second source of 
unpleasant sensations is that we're really, something's twisted, torqued, and misaligned, and we need to pay attention, pay attention, and move. And so there's not some hard, fast, rigid idea that you're supposed to sit through anything. We're supposed to be compassionate and wise and sane in how we do this. And sense if there's a signal that our body's really having trouble, that we adjust and we pay attention. But if it's just that we're unaccustomed, it's just the normal discomforts of life, of which, as you know, there's pleasant and unpleasant all the time, there's a tremendous deepening of awareness when we can just maintain a stillness and be present to that. The third source of unpleasant sensations is when, because we're getting still, we connect with some emotional armoring. You know, we're there and the things we've avoided feeling, some of the angst or anxiety or disappointments, are in our, our body armor and it's like there's a sense of, oh, we're connecting with that layer too. There's a basic principle to healing and this is all levels of healing that the path is to gradually include whatever we've habitually shut out. It's that simple. And this is probably in a broader way all spiritual awakening that we're gradually enlarging the realm of what we can include so we can be fully alive. But in particular with this first foundation of mindfulness it means including unpleasant sensations or scary sensations or mysterious sensations that we habitually pull away from. And the way we do it, I mentioned this last week, there's that coming back again and again, learning to use the breath or the body as an anchor. So when we go off in thoughts, we begin to have that inner bell, something inside us, like a mindfulness bell that says, hey, come back. Where have you been? Look, what's happening? The first step of mindfulness of the body is a remembering. Step number one, remember, look. Step number two, what's happening? Recognize it. See what's there right this moment. In your body, what's true? Step number three, let be, just feel it. Over and over we'll drift and our practice is to remember and see what's true and then let be, feel it fully. Now sometimes what we connect with feels like too much and it's not wise to go into battle with it. It can seem like an adversary. It can feel like searing pain that it just, we're not meant to be with. And just to say that as with all parts of meditation, this training is gradual. We kind of develop the stanima, the, the capacity to be with difficult sensation. But it is part of the training to almost drop the idea of pain and just assume unpleasant sensations are part of the mix and that there's a tremendous freedom when we can relax that conditioning to leave right away. Just stay a bit. So within that spirit, I'd like to do a short guided meditation. And before I do it, and I'll let you stretch, (laughs) Just a question for you. How many of you, just in sitting today, have felt some distinctive unpleasant sensations? Can I see by hands? (laughs) This is the over 30s crowd, right? (laughs) Okay, then this meditation is going to emphasize bringing mindfulness and presence to unpleasantness or pain. But for those of you that didn't raise your hands, This more basically is deepening presence with your physical embodiment. So take a moment if you still need one to stretch and then please come sitting.
And as you sit, sit in a way that you feel comfortable. So th- what that means is that you're not um, leaving pain, trying to get away from it, but you're not exacerbating it. If you, can, if you need to stretch out your legs, that's fine. But just sit in a way that's reasonably comfortable. Take a few deep, soft breaths as you let your body settle into position. Bring your awareness into the body and gradually let the awareness come to the area of sensation in the body that's either predominant or for some painful, unpleasant. Notice if there's a layer of contraction against what's unpleasant, kind of a tightening. And see if you can let the body soften all around whatever area is predominant or unpleasant. Let the whole area be soft and open as possible. Don't hold it. Don't resist, just open softness around what's there. And let, if it's pain, let it float free in the body. Let the sensations be felt by a whole body awareness. If you're very, very uncomfortable and you're sitting and would like to, you can lie on your backs too. Let go of any tension in the breath. Just let the body breathe by itself so that the body becomes an open space in which sensation is received without the least interference. If in the mind there's ideas or thoughts of pain that cause tightness, try to gently let go there too. Be mindful of and soften around any fear in the mind. Just let thoughts arise and pass away by themselves. Soften all around them. They're just old thoughts creating old resistance. See if you can let go of resistance in the body and in the mind. Let whatever experience is happening float in the soft, open body in the vast spaciousness of mind. Notice if fear is looking for a way out. When will this pain end? Where did it come from? How can I get rid of it? These thoughts intensify pain, cause contraction in the body-mind. Allow this moment to be received fully. Let the mind be soft and open and yielding. And then relax even more in the body. Let the body become like an ocean. Each sensation floating gently to the surface. Let the body be open and fluid and soft, the hardness melting away, the rigidity dissolving in the vast open sea of awareness. So you're feeling waves of sensation in the ocean of the body. Feel the still depths 
softening, opening. And now gently direct your attention again towards wherever discomfort or unpleasantness is predominant, towards the pain without tightening, without even trying to make it go away. Just allow attention to enter directly into sensation. Investigate this thing called pain. What is the truth of this experience? What is pain? See if you can allow your attention to enter directly into the very center of sensation. Experience it directly. Pain is not the enemy. For just this moment, explore its reality with a soft heart and open body. What is its texture? As you enter into the changing feelings of sensations at the center of the area of discomfort, What is the weave, the fabric of this sensation? Let the body and mind stay soft and open. Allow the truth of this moment to reveal itself in a mind that is not holding, or judging, or fearful. What's the feel of sensations? Hot, cold, pinpricks, pressure, tension, squeezing, twisting, tingling, hard or soft, Does it have tendrils that move through the body? Let the attention merge wakefully with the sensation. For now, becoming one with it, and in the very midst of the ever-changing flow, allow awareness to explore the changes moment to moment. Listen carefully, like listening to a melody, note by note. Don't push ahead of yourself or hold back. Just arrive fully in this moment, tuning into the instant-to-instant flow of sensation. Investigate with a soft, open mind. Hold with an open, kind heart. Relaxing more and more deeply to open into the very center of sensation, the mind steady and awake in its very midst, experiencing aliveness just as it is in the vast spaciousness of mind.
Okay, so take a few full breaths and feel free again to move and stretch. Just to take some moments to check in with you and ask for any comments on what was helpful or challenging or confusing or enlightening, (laughs) whatever. Anyone? What did you notice? Please. So for you, the creating some space and ease actually allowed the whatever knots or whatever was going on to dissolve. Yeah. Okay. So that's one possibility is that um, when we loosen and soften, the discomfort can dissolve. Others? Did everyone hear that? This is good. So there was a sense of when you'd let go, let be, that, you know, it, it would no longer be disturbing. And then you'd get excited about that and it would kind of flare up again. So this is just a, right there, this is a perfect kind of Dharma lesson, which is it doesn't work if we have this kind of agenda where I'll let things be if you'll go away. Because <laughs> it knows, you know deep down. You can't, you can't strategize like that. It's just a genuine surrendering. So thank you for that one. Yeah. Ted. Could you all hear that? So with a very kind of clear attention, in this case, the question of what's the texture, the pain, by paying attention that way, pain would dissolve, but then it would emerge in some other place in the body. Which brings up another um, possibility, which is not only will pain not completely disappear, but you might find that when you pay really wise, kind attention to one area, that a layer drops away and a whole deeper expression that needs attention of pain emerges. And who knows why it cycled around your body, but again, the intention is one to include what's real and trust that that is that process of becoming whole is what frees us not to manipulate or get rid of anything. So that's a great example. Yeah, others. What'd you notice? Yeah. So a lot happened. I'm going to say a few things you said because I think they're really useful um, to others. And one is that sometimes by deciding to be present, we really open to some deep fears that we wouldn't feel so much if we had gone on our normal strategy of avoidance. We're facing right into what we've been afraid of. So part of the practice is to keep on 
acknowledging that, and this is, by the way, next week's um, Dharma talk, you know, working with the fears that come up, but to name them and note them and, and be very kind and open with them also, not always even to force physical presence. You kind of dip in and if it feels like too much, relax out of it. But then you also noticed that when you allowed for kind of that ocean body feeling and let them be ways, that there really was some room. And there was, it was not that they went away. This, this to me is kind of the Buddha's main point in the shift or transformation that happens when we pay wise attention. When we're present with these waves of experience with an open kind of attention, the shift is that the waves are still there, but we really establish a deeper sense that who we are is the ocean, that there really is room. And it's that shift in perspective that makes it very manageable and also gives us kind of a freedom to just be with whatever. So that's what you described as quite much the way it happens. Thank you. Yeah, please. Oh, I can't hear you. (laughs) So with relaxing, sometimes you can go right into sleep and that happens. (laughs) It's fine. Yeah. So for those that didn't hear it, again, it's an example of how by having that kind of willingness to just pay attention to physical sensations, it can really open you to many other layers of what's there, including the sense that it's impermanent and that this self that we're identified with is impermanent, that we're going to die. And whatever arises, it's another opportunity for the same process. Look see, let go and let be. We talked a bit about, you know, the healing is an inclusion. The healing takes its shape as the more present we are, the more vivid and alive things seem. People describe it as kind of a washing or purifying of the senses. It's very clear in retreats that you start sensing this vividness of color and sound is more distinct and just the senses are awake. That's one kind of level of the healing. Another is what John described, is that we start becoming more at peace with the different layers that have been buried, where the pains in our muscles have been held. They start unfolding and revealing themselves and we find the space that we can hold them in and be with them. Another level of healing is that we begin to trust our experience. You know, rather than trying to figure out what's going on conceptually, we begin to trust that we can pay attention with our senses. We begin to trust this body and this earth, this world that we belong to. I love the way Alice Walker puts it. She says, One day, when I was sitting quiet and feeling like a motherless child, which I was, it came to me, that feeling of being a part of everything, not separate at all. I knew that if I cut a tree, my arm would bleed, and I laughed and I cried and I run all around the house. I just knew what it was. In fact, when it happened, you can't miss it. This embodied presence connects us with the aliveness that's just emanating everywhere, radiating everywhere. That sense of separation falls away because what happens when we get embodied? We're not living in this story about a separate self. 
we'll just close together. Did you want to say something? So this, the words that this mind has this vast space allowed you to connect with the truth of that, which is really where this whole practice is going, that we're not, when we talk about the ocean of the body and the vast space of the mind, it's not like we're trying to work to um, create this vastness. Your awareness is naturally boundless. We all have a boundless, wakeful nature. And really what we're doing is beginning to realize that. And if it's even for a flash, that's precious. Even a glimmer that these beings are wide open and that we have room for all the waves is a moment that can very much awaken our heart-minds, allow us to live more fully. I'd like to close with this by Kabir. Inside this clay jug, there are canyons and pine mountains and the maker of canyons and pine mountains. All seven oceans are inside and hundreds of millions of stars. The acid, the test gold is there and the one who judges jewels and the music from the strings no one touches and the source of all water. If you want the truth, I will tell you the truth. Friend, listen. The God whom I love is inside. Taking these last few moments just to come into that stillness. And open to the aliveness, the wakeful, relaxed, open awareness that is your essence. expressing the connectedness that we awaken to with the mantra Om. This time we'll just chant it and when you run out of breath begin chanting again. Inhale deeply. together, may the awakening of these hearts and minds be of benefit to all beings. May all beings be happy, 
May all beings awaken in loving kindness. May all beings be free. As I mentioned um, during the talk, these three weeks we'll be um, exploring what are called the foundations of mindfulness and we'll do it in a, an experiential way, working with, um, today we worked with challenging or unpleasant sensations and more generally how to wake up to sensations. Next week we'll explore a bit with the moods and emotions